Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Confessions of an Industrial Marketer. Hey y'all, it's Aaron Downs with Confessions of an Industrial Marketer. Uh, again, speaking on my lunch break from the parking lot of a car dealership in downtown Los Angeles. So you may hear some uh, vehicle noise and some uh, trains going by. Uh, apologize for that. Uh, first, to start off, uh, before we get into the episode, uh, there's been some long pauses between episodes. Uh, I've been doing this multi-part series of how I got started in industrial marketing, of which this is a part of, and these particular episodes take a long time to prepare. I'm really unearthing a lot of my past history, and it's it's been kind of a therapeutic experience, actually, uh, something I didn't expect uh, when doing this series. Um, I've recorded other podcast episodes, much shorter ones, but for whatever reason, I've just felt like I had to sort of get through this multi-part series first in order. Uh, I know it doesn't, it's not logical, but uh, it, like I say, has been therapeutic for me. This episode of, uh, in the multi-part series of how I got started in industrial marketing is going to be titled Nonprofit Council. So uh, I'm going to be talking about my personal experience in a nonprofit council when I joined the uh, a neighborhood council in the city of Los Angeles. The neighborhood council is Essentially, it's a chartered and funded organization by the city of Los Angeles. The, the whole idea is uh, citizens join this, this board voluntarily, and they are supposed to promote citizen participation in local government. The idea being that you know cities have their city councils, which are all manned by politicians, and it can be very hard for citizens to navigate the convoluted bureaucracy of city government in order to get the services that they need. And so city neighborhood councils, and there are many in Los Angeles, and I know there are many in other cities, uh, the whole idea behind them is to sort of create that bridge between the citizenry and uh, the local government. Why am I talking about this when it has nothing to do with marketing or industrial marketing in, in particular. I think this is important because in your career you may be you may become familiar with uh, certain nonprofit organizations uh, that you may be interested in joining in addition to your uh, to your work. Uh, these could be Chamber of Commerces, it could be the PTA, it could be a volunteer, or charitable organization. It could be the board of directors of a, a company, uh, or specifically in the construction trade, a trade organization or, or chapter. Uh, if you join any of these, I, I'm confident you will encounter a lot of the same dynamics that, that I encountered when I was with the, the neighborhood council. These organizations, by the way, and, and I've heard 
mixed reviews from different people. Some say it's a waste of time, some uh, have gotten real value out of them. But these organizations in general can be really great for networking. For instance, in the neighborhood council, I got to meet a lot of city officials, a lot of developers. You get to interact with law enforcement, community activists, and you know, just really have the chance to bring in more people to your into your network. Varied types of people and you know, completely different industries that can be very beneficial to your your career. Uh, another good thing about joining these organizations is it looks really good on your resume. Remember how in high school when everybody said, you know, you can't just get good grades, you also have to have shown some some initiative, being a, a member or, or running clubs and things like this. Um, it, it just is an, a nice thing to have on your resume. And especially if you're starting out, employers aren't really giving you the time of day yet. Joining a, an organization like this can actually, you know, if you keep your ears open for opportunities, um, can uh, really add some, some nice bullet points to your resume. Another thing about joining one of these organizations is you learn how to steer committees and set agendas. This may not sound off the bat like something that is advantageous to your career but think about it if you were to start say like a a marketing council or a customer service council or something at your uh, at your company knowing how to keep time and keep people on point and and hit all of your agenda points is a real big plus uh, a good quiver in your era or <laughs> arrow in your quiver of skills that you can bring to the table. So, all right, let's let's uh, get into sort of my uh, my trajectory during this time, and then uh, I'll I'll end the episode with just some some lessons, some some nuggets that I've learned from this experience. Okay. <clears throat> So it was early 2014, as you recall from the past episode, I was living in East Hollywood. Uh, I took a two-week vacation. I know, by the way, I was also still working at the, the lighting company at this time, Do you remember from uh, two episodes ago, I think. I returned from a, a two-week stay in New Orleans, got to see the city, hang out with a friend from from the Navy, got to experience Mardi Gras, um, and something that my friend from the Navy told me that I, I found kind of interesting was he said that you know, he's living in New Orleans and that he would occasionally attend neighborhood council meetings, and I thought this was so interesting because my friend is not a civically minded person at all. Um, uh, something about that idea of being part of something more local uh, appealed to me for for some reason, and when I got back from the from this trip, uh, coincidentally, I got a postcard in my mailbox that was uh, announcing the uh, elections for our local neighborhood council in the in the area. And I thought, this might you know, I was still a budding screenwriter at the time. I thought, hey, this might be a good good fodder for like an office style. Uh, docu docu comedy uh, something that I could write about um, so 
I attended a couple of meetings. They were held at this uh, place called the Assistance League. Um, and the way that these meetings looked was there was a, a, a table at front where I think about seven board members sat. And these were peop- volunteers that, that worked on the neighborhood council. And then there would be chairs out for the public to join and, and watch the uh, the show go down and, and uh, provide comment or complaints or what have you. Right off the bat, they were desperate for people. Uh, in each of the meetings that I went to, they kept saying, we need you know, anybody out there. We need a treasurer. We need a secretary. We need people on the outreach committee. And after a couple of meetings, the guilt just got to me and I felt, okay, like this is a... Uh, I feel bad about just joining and being a fly on the wall at these committees. And hey, maybe I'll get an even deeper insight uh, and get some more uh, fodder for my docu-series by joining the council. And the way you join is basically you you express interest uh, and they send you uh, some training from Empower LA, which is the city organization that runs the neighborhood councils. And you basically have to take a funding and an ethics uh, video training and then sign off that you you know you understood the the contents one of the sort of guiding documents of a of a council and you'll find this in an organization is they use uh, something called Robert's rules of order and uh, there's something called parliamentary procedure uh, these these are some some good some good reading material you should uh, you should browse through if you if you ever join a committee because it will lay out basically the way that you should present arguments the way that you can comment the way that the proper ways to have discourse the uh, neighborhood council had a, a monthly board meeting or executive meeting once a month and that would be to cover pretty much like all topics uh, on the agenda. And then there would be smaller subcommittee meetings. And most likely any organization that you join is also going to have small subcommittee meetings that have a more focused. There are also maybe at times what are called ad hoc committees, which are temporary committees that may be set up for a very specific purpose. One dynamic about neighborhood councils that's maybe different from... Uh, trade organizations or other things that you join was uh, we had to follow some very strict rules we basically had to follow the same rules uh, as the city council you know uh, if if an irate citizen were to uh, be vocal about the fact that you're not properly posting your agendas they could complain to the city and um, uh, and and you'd, you'd get in some hot water every fiscal year provide a, a like an estimated budget and account for everything we spent in the prior year and if we didn't do any of these things and a whole myriad of other uh, <clears throat> stipulations in our bylaws uh, it was actually possible for the city to decertify the council one of the most interesting subcommittees in the neighborhood council and this is especially interesting for you those of you who are in the building trade or construction trade was that plum committee the planning and land use management committee 
at, at these meetings, a lot of times building developers would come in and they would present their project and they'd have the big whiteboard out and show you the, you know, the, the pretty drawing of their, what their development is going to look like with nice, happy white people walking dogs and pushing strollers outside. Which is funny because if you actually look at some of the locations where these are, it's like right next to like abandoned buildings and uh, homeless encampments and a freeway. And you're like, there's not enough lipstick you could put on this pig to make it look this beautiful. Uh, but that's just an aside. There was also uh, the chance for public comment. People could come in and ask the developers. And a lot of times it was uh, incumbent on the developers to go to these meetings. So it wasn't necessarily voluntary. Uh, a lot of times in order, one of the boxes that they had to check when getting approved by the city was that they uh, did some kind of a public comment forum, like the neighborhood council. Uh, and another great thing you learn from the Plum Committee uh, is learning, you learn about zoning, um, you, you learn how the developer's process goes. Uh, every single project, it uh, doesn't matter what, developers are always trying to get what are called variances, which are essentially, in a nutshell, the, the city and the county have certain laws in effect saying you've got to have this much sidewalk space and you've got to have this much green space and um, uh, you have to be within these environmental guidelines and um, spatial guidelines. In other words, you couldn't build like a high rise in the middle of a residential street that had a bunch of one story and two story buildings. Um, it was called going against the prevailing design of the uh, of the neighborhood. Uh, but developers were always trying to get variances saying, oh, well, you know, we'll employ this many local uh, tradesmen and we'll donate this and we'll, you know, the sidewalk is owned by the city, but we'll fix up the sidewalk if we can get, you know, make the building X percent larger, X percent taller, make the setback a little shorter, uh, have fewer trees, all this stuff. Um, as some of you probably know, developers are really smart. They've been in this game for a long time. They'll always ask for much more than, they're actu than they actually plan to build. Uh, and the whole idea being, you know, they present some outrageous presentation of like, we want these variances and these tax waivers and we're going to build this big and this wide uh, and have this many units and then the whole community gets up in arms oh my gosh that's too much how can you You're like the, this will not stand and the developer will go okay well let us go back to the drawing board and then they'll come back with the design that they actually had in mind but the, the idea being that they're <clears throat> working with the, the community and, and listening to, to the, the community uh, very interesting game. So if you can ever, if, if your committee has any kind of a planning <clears throat> or land use subcommittee, uh, I encourage you to, uh, to be a part of it, especially if you're in the building trade. Let's get to funding. So depending on the nonprofit organization that you join, they may or may not have a budget. Some uh, may actually have to raise funds, so that, that could be a much bigger component of your the organization that you join, which is just like going out and fundraising and getting donations and stuff like that. 
With the neighborhood council, though, because it was a city chartered, is a city chartered organization, we actually had a budget and a pretty sizable budget to boot. Um, every year they'd give us uh, an allotment of, of $35,000 in which we could spend in the whole fiscal year. Now, it wasn't all up front, um, but it was a considerable amount. <clears throat> Surprisingly enough, at the end of every year, we would, it, it was like the, the same cycle would start up. We'd basically rush to get to spend as much of our money as possible and we would literally like only spend five thousand or ten thousand dollars of our budget uh every year and so at the end of the year we're like oh let's get pens let's get uh um postcards let's get uh tablecloths let's get signs like let's just spend 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 uh so we can you know uh because the way city budgets work often is that if you continually don't spend your allotted amount, they give you less the next year. So that's how that game is played. Um, <clears throat> the intricacies of our funding process were anything under, I believe it was a thousand or two thousand uh, dollars, could be spent on the company per on the the purchase card, and the uh, the chairman, who is like the leader of the the committee. Uh, is the one that holds the purchase card. Now, he or she can't spend as they want. They have to go through a whole process. For instance, uh, let's say let's say you wanted a banner or a sign or something like that. You would have to first make sure it gets put in the agenda for the upcoming meeting. Then you have the meeting, <clears throat> and all of the board members vote whether they want uh, to approve this, this funding request. And once it's approved, then you have to fill out a, a funding request form and you have to send it into um, Empower LA. Um, and, uh, and that was the process. Um, anything above that $2,000 bracket kind of goes into a separate category. So for instance, let's say you, know, you want to get your uh, a new website design and the vendor charges whatever, $20,000, $10,000, $5,000. It has to go through a much more complicated process of which the uh, city of LA uh, comptroller's office or one of those offices has to uh, write a check to the vendor, a physical check, um, very old school, and then has to <clears throat> draft a contract with that vendor. Uh, so much more convoluted and time uh, uh, time-consuming process. <clears throat> now, I seemed to have this uh, <clears throat> this perception that if you approved funding for something at the meeting, that it sort of just magically got taken care of <clears throat> later. And like most of us would, I mean, we, we put in so many funding requests throughout the years, and most of them never, you know, uh, never, never actually happened. And I found out pretty quickly because it's uh, it doesn't stop at getting approved at the council level. You as the individual member have to be the the champion of whatever that that uh, piece of funding is for. So you got to uh, fill out the funding request form. You got to make sure it gets to. Uh, the city of Los Angeles. You got to follow up with them and make sure, hey, how's this this process going? Um, 
and uh, and then you've got to choose vendors. And for instance, with the city of LA, there was some some things that you could buy. Like, okay, I'm just going to buy paper from Kinkos. Okay, boom. But other things, for instance, like websites and other high ticket items. The city of Los Angeles had a approved vendors list, and you could only go to those vendors. And so uh, you had to be the one to vet those vendors, get quotes, um, and really do your due diligence to make sure that the, the, the money was being spent properly and, that, yeah, just, just making sure it gets done. I was with the Neighborhood Council from 2014 to 2017. And through that time, as you remember from the past episodes, I left the lighting company um, unemployed for a while. I was then making that documentary, which uh, was sort of, was in part inspired by what I learned uh, at these neighborhood council meetings. As, as, as you remember from earlier, I didn't join with any uh, lofty goals of improving the community or um, or any specific goal in mind. Some of the council members, many of who were <clears throat> retired or older, um, said, "Hey, you know, we've we've got we've had this crappy website for forever, and nobody's managing it." Aaron, you're good with you know about websites and stuff. Why don't you uh, why don't you take on this project? <clears throat> and so for. The course of my time at the Neighborhood Council, my big crusade became uh, improving our website. Um, and then that sort of branched off into, okay, well, you're the, Aaron's the website guy. All right. Uh, he's also now the one who handles our, um, our email accounts. And he's also going to be the one that sends out newsletters. And he's also going to be the one that posts agendas and writes the minutes and puts the minutes on the website. Um, I was sort of just, uh, I wasn't saying no enough. And um, I, I sort of got um, all of these e-business tasks piled onto my, um, my plate. And uh, I really was not doing much actual neighborhood council work like outreach or um, you know, helping the community in any meaningful way. Over time, I got really burnt out with it and, um, uh, and two in the weeds with the d development of this website. I remember, I'll remember one meeting where we had a, uh, um, <clears throat> a member of the community who he's like, you know, I've been to enough of these meetings and uh, it's really sad that we do so little for the community here. Uh, it seems like there's always these uh, these big uh, <clears throat> projects, and it's it's like trying to perfect some uh, a painting, and we never call the painting finished. We're just continually tearing tearing it down and um, repainting it and rethinking it, and uh, <clears throat> I don't know. That kind of stuck with me. That uh, how much time and effort I was putting into. <clears throat> the website and getting us better audiovisual equipment and uh, anyway I kind of joined for the wrong reasons I learned a lot met a lot of interesting people um, <clears throat> but ultimately it wasn't serving me and it was again just taking up a lot of my time <clears throat> excuse me okay so <clears throat> uh, before my voice gets completely raspy uh, I'm just gonna go through some lessons that I learned that I would like to impart to you <clears throat> when deciding to join 
a nonprofit organization or a council. Number one is if you don't if you don't pick a specific cause or a committee that you're passionate about, you'll get sucked into all kinds of things that you don't want to be a part of and you'll feel bitter, you'll be, you'll feel stretched and you'll feel resentment. Uh, like I had said, I uh, joined for a vague reason to like write a story about the neighborhood council, and uh, you know people will take as much time as you're willing to give them. I just didn't say no enough, um, and so I got sucked into the website project and managing all of our IT assets and and stuff like that. Second, know going into it that most board members are not going to do anything. You may get mad at some of them. Again, to the first point, abstain from taking on their slack. Um, You can't control their behavior. Don't try. Just stick to whatever your goal is, whatever it is that you want to get done at that council, and just forget the rest. Three, always keep your primary reason for joining in the the organization in mind for us at the neighborhood council it was our stakeholders that um and by stakeholders i mean the people that lived in the community you know our stakeholders are very much like the customers of a business um they can often be a pain in the butt uh they don't read your emails they don't read your flyers they do a lot of complaining they're utterly confused about how the the city government works but uh, like your customers you got to treat them like um with the respect that they deserve um many of them when they complain they just need you to listen they don't really need you to fix anything they just need you to listen and take some responsibility don't don't just uh push it off onto somebody else on your um on your committee just a caveat to that though to the listening part is watch out for serial complainers there will be the squeaky wheels in the audience uh or you know uh, stakeholders that you deal with uh who they're they're just their number one modus operandi is to complain um and they don't really want anything done about it uh again it goes to the listening part but uh don't spend all your time listening to those serial complainers Next is take action the second you get home. Send follow-up emails, type up the minutes, fill out uh, and submit any forms that uh, you know were talked about at that at that evening's meeting uh, while the excitement and the passion is still there. If you put it off one day, you're you're not going to do it. It's a lot of work. You might have to stay up till like twelve at night to get all the things done, but just get them off your plate that night after the meeting. Next lesson, don't make any personal attacks. And what do I mean by that? Let's say you disagree with someone on your committee. They they don't vote for your proposal or they have some what you think is ridiculous rebuttal to your to your argument. Um, As you start to get to know your council members, you start to know all their dirt and their uh, their weaknesses and things like that, um, and the, the temptation is going to be there to call them out.
personally, not out, you know, attack their idea, attack their ideas with facts, um, <clears throat> but do not attack them as a person. It will just completely eradicate your argument, um, and it will make you look bad in front of your fellow council members. <clears throat> Next, learn to live with the mess. Um, at the neighborhood council, everything was in a sh was in shambles. There weren't enough people to go around, not enough resources. Um, you could never, hardly ever get anybody of authority on the phone from the from the city. It, it, everything was just in a constant state of of mess and unorder. Uh, minutes were not turned in. Documents were all over the place. Um, the website that's that's crap, or there's no website at all. Find a system for you that works. Next lesson is take time to learn the history of your council. Go back through the, the records. Uh, read old agendas. Read old minutes from years before. Um, try to find out, you know, get in contact with some of the previous board members. Um, what you're going to find when you do this is you'll find the same chronic issues uh, appearing over and over and over again um, and somebody may have found a solution prior to you getting there you may not have to create the solution out of whole cloth maybe you can pick up where somebody else left off next try to stick to one subcommittee maximum uh, again like I said uh, people will take as much time as you allow them to take um, and uh, in, in the case of our neighborhood council, every single committee was short on people um, and even shorter on people that could actually get anything done. If you're a problem solver like I was, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> uh, you're going to want to like, you're going to feel compelled to go in and fix uh, those subcommittees and show up to every subcommittee meeting and be on everybody's email back and forth chain uh, you're, you're literally going to have time enough for just the, 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 the council meetings and one subcommittee just stick to that believe me next there are uh, a few different positions that appear on uh, almost every type of nonprofit council <clears throat> uh, those are the the chair uh, the vice chairman the treasurer, uh, and the secretary. Uh, I would really highly consider volunteering to be the treasurer. It's not something that I did for the neighborhood council, um, and it sounds like a very daunting task at first, and uh, it probably is. Um, you're going to inherit uh, a bunch of uh, work that wasn't done by the previous treasurer, um, <clears throat> files all over the place, and a whole convoluted accounting process that uh, you didn't have any idea uh, would fall in your lap. Uh, but the treasurer is, is sort of where the money sits. Uh, he is like the, what is it, the banker at the Monopoly game table. He's the one that, he or she is the one that uh, really controls the money. Um, and so you're, you're going to really learn how things get done. Everybody's going to praise you because nobody wants the treasurer job. Uh, and and they'll all understand that you can't volunteer for more stuff because you're dealing with the budget. I've probably already covered this, but keep your guilty conscience in check. Everybody's going to want to pull you in different directions and try to lay a guilt trip on you. Uh, your stakeholders 
will tell you that your council is not doing enough for them um, and you'll want to uh, open your, your arm and your heart to them. Stay in your lane. Concentrate on that one thing that is going to add value to your resume and to the, the ultimate mission of, of your the committee or council that you're on. And the last part is just get familiar with uh, Robert's Rules of Order and get familiar with your committee's bylaws. Um, bylaws, I don't think I went into detail much about them, but these are basically the, the, the specific laws that govern your, um, your council. And if you, if you skip it, if you don't read it, you're going to run into a lot of issues and people uh, silencing you when you're going up to present because you're not following uh, the bylaws. If you learn the bylaws, you can use them to your advantage. And again, to the point with Robert's Rules of Order, you want to know the basics of those rules, how to present, how to argue, just how to conduct a council meeting properly. And that is it for the episode. Uh, I, I really hope that there were a few nuggets that you can take home with you. There's, it feels like there's so much more that I want to tell about this experience. Um, and, and I've only scratched the surface, but, um, again, uh, take, take long consideration of any nonprofit or organization or trade group that you want to join. Um, be absolutely certain of what you want to do in that council and stay focused on it. And um, know that, you know, if, if it becomes too much for you, um, you can always stand down and uh, you're only beholden to yourself. Anyway, this has been um, another uh, chapter in the series, How I Got Started in Industrial Marketing. Uh, this has been Aaron Downs with Confessions of an Industrial